he was like the only person who I met. I was like, this guy needs to be like either put to death or kept like in a cage, like under the jail. He said was Ronald DeFeo, who the Amityville Horror House guy. And he said every morning, like clockwork, seven days a week, every morning, bring Ronald his food and say, how was your night, Ronald? How, how are you feeling? He was like, good, I feel good. I just, I, I didn't kill my grandma. But everything else, other than that, it's good. He would say to him, if I don't kill my grandma, I'm not getting into heaven. He killed his entire family. And he's like, that's how I get to heaven. But I got to get the grandma. Good afternoon to all things living and all things dead. Welcome back to another banger episode on the Rainy Day Horror Show. I am your host with the most, as usual, I am Dusty McBalls, the certified cougar hunter, the man with balls too big to handle, alright? We're doing it solo today, um, I hope your week went really, really well, I hope you got paid, I hope you got that that nice check filled with hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars, depending on where you are in your career, I hope it all came. And I hope you're spending that money on the things you desire and the things you want in this world, okay? Before we get started on today's episode, tell your mom that you love her, alright? Wish her a happy Mother's Day, okay? Some of us in this world would be nothing without our moms, alright? So we owe those women a huge thank you, okay? So, for today's Mother's Day special episode, we are talking about the Amityville Horror, alright? Yes, I know, a little mainstream, but it's okay. Um, I haven't really, I've, I know we've, most of us have heard of this story, so we don't really need to dive into it, but... I thought it would be fun to actually jump in and see what the hype is around the Amityville Horror. Okay? Now I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it sweet. I'm going to keep it simple. Alright? It's just a nice succulent little baby lamb today. Alright? Just freshly birthed. What? For this episode. Okay? What? Now we're going to jump right into it. Um, The layout of the episode is I'm going to introduce what happened at the Amityville house like first it's gonna start off with the killing and then it's gonna go into the family that moved in and then afterwards we're gonna talk about Ronnie Defoe the man who killed his family and like why he did it if he did have paranormal experiences if something was in his ear talking to him and telling him to kill his family and we're just gonna dive into that alright so with that being said sit back relax okay Maybe get a popcorn, you know, Kool-Aid Jammer, Capri Sun, I don't know, whatever tickles your fancy, okay? Make sure those Crocs, though, are in adventure mode, okay? We're traveling straight to Long Island, okay? Alright, so strap in, and let's get this show on the road. <coughs> Alright, now, the house, like I said, is located in Long Island, right? in Amityville, the town. And this is probably one of, well, in the U.S., it is one of the biggest paranormal experiences, phenomenons, whatever you want to call it, that ever took place. Now, on November 13th, 1974, 
a mass murder took place that literally shook the small town of Amityville. Is it a small town? I don't really know. I didn't look it up. So, I don't really know what their population was at the time of this murder. I just felt like being a little, you know. Okay, anyways. So, Ronnie J. Defoe, or Ronald, murdered his parents and his four siblings with the 35 caliber Marlin rifle. Okay. So, after that murder, after that trial, everything got cleared up. The Lutz family eventually moved in and purchased the home for a whopping $80,000. But here's the catch. They only lived there for 28 days because that family could not take the paranormal activity that they were claiming was going on in that house. The address of that Amityville house was 112 Ocean Avenue, but it was then changed to 108 because they kept having tourists come to the house and asking questions about the house. So they changed it to try to make it harder for them to find that house. Now, the day George, his wife, and three daughters moved in, they had a priest bless the house. Now, according to George, the priest, the holy man, the child man of God was allegedly slapped by an entity in the sewing room and they also heard a voice telling them to get out. In the Amityville Heart, a ghost told them to get out the house. White people stayed in there. Now that's a hint and a half for your ass. A ghost say get the fuck out, I would just tip the fuck out the door. They walked and looked in the toilet bowl, was blood in the toilet. They said, that's peculiar. I would have been in the house and said, oh, baby, this is beautiful. We got a chandelier hanging up here, kids outside playing. It's a beautiful neighborhood. We ain't got nothing to wear. I really love them. This is really nice. Get out. Too bad we can't stay, baby. <laughs> now, after that encounter, it would only get worse. Doors would be ripped off their hinges. Cabinets would slam shut. And slime would ooze from the ceiling, just like... Ghostbusters. He slimed me. That's great! Now, George would also say that odors would come and go, and the front door would slam shut in the middle of the night, and he couldn't get warm in the house for days. He also claimed that he would mysteriously wake up at 3.15 almost every day, and this was suspected to be around the time where Ronald murdered his family. Now, if Anybody knows anything about the paranormal, which a lot of us do, 3.15 between, well, between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's the witching hour. That's where all the demons, all the ghosts like to watch you sleep, like to hang out in your room, you know, tickle your toes. <gasps> you know, you ever wake up randomly in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, someone's watching you. And it's just looking at you. It's just saying, hey, how you doing? And then it's going to wait for you to fall back asleep. And it's going to give you a fucking wet willy. <gasps> oh, it's going to lace up its ghostly finger with all that ghostly spit. And it's just going to shove it in your ear. It's going to tickle your brain. <gasps> yeah, that's what it does. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's really what happens at the witching hour. Minus the whole demonic stuff that happens. They What they're really doing is those demons, they... 
They want you to think that they're doing nefarious shit, but what they're really doing is they're giving you wet willies and tickling your toes. Maybe, maybe if you're feeling lucky, maybe, well, not if you're feeling lucky, but if they're feeling lucky, and they feel like getting a little frisky and you're laying on your stomach, they might put a finger in your butt or two. I don't know. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! Depends on how you move, I guess. Now, George also stated that his wife one night physically transformed into an old woman and levitated. George also recalled that one night his children's beds levitated and were slamming up and down on the floor, but he couldn't do anything because an unseen force was paralyzing him. Like I said earlier, they moved out after 28 days of moving in, and they left all of their possessions. Like, their clothes, dressers, food, everything. They're like, I'm done with this shit. We're leaving it here. Now, that, I don't know how much money the family had, but we're about to get into the whole, like, it turned into kind of a money grab form, but I'm kind of curious why it turned into a money grab form, because to leave all of your belongings there and everything after you just paid 80 grand for a home, that take that's a lot of money. So they must have already had some sort of, not really wealth, but like, where they were able to do that, where they were just able to leave everything. Because literally a few months later, paranormal experts and just news stations flooded the home. And one of the paranormal experts, her name was Laura, I'm going to butcher this last name, so sorry in advance, but it's Laura Didio or Didio, and she said that it was basically a psychic slumber party and her team is credited for that infamous photo of the house with the ghost boy peering out the window at them. And the psychics on her team said that there was a demonic force present in the home. Now, as the days turned into months and the months turned into years, the Lutzes would eventually collaborate with author Jay Anson for one of his best-selling books, and they would also start collaborating with directors for who, who started making the movies on the Amityville house, and they ended up netting, or like netting, getting like 300k, so that's why I'm kind of curious, like I don't really know if because you have to have money just in order to drop everything and leave. But they also were credited 300k. So I don't really know if they had the money or if they just were so scared that they didn't care about the money and they were just going to make it work. That could have also been it. But this event, this house, everything was widely publicized and many people expressed their doubts and a lot of people said it was a hoax, and they didn't really believe on how true these events were. And it all started with, um, it, and it all started when Ronald Defoe's attorney, William Weber, admitted he and the couple came up with the tale over several bottles of wine. He stated, 
we took real life incidents and transposed them. In other words, it's a hoax. But George Lutz, who died in 2006, kept saying that the story was real and stated on NBC, I can't just say what I experienced in that house. And then at one point, his son Daniel said that his dad would invite mysterious and dangerous forces into the house and their lives due to his interest in the occult. Then George's stepson would come out and say, the books and the movies have been stretched to the point of fiction. Chris also said that George was obsessed with the occult, that he even exaggerated some of the paranormal incidences, and he also said that he's a professional showman, and I feel like we're being exploited. Now, I know a lot of people are money hungry in this world, and that's cool, that's fine, that's dandy. Um... But when you get an opportunity to share paranormal experiences and you exaggerate and you do all this stuff, it ruins it for like the true paranormal experts and all of the people that go actually go through a traumatic experience. Now, I'm not knocking their experience I'm not saying they didn't go through something tra tragic or dramatic or anything like that but a lot of people think the paranormal stuff is fake so that's why they dabble in the occult and they see if it's real which don't do anything in your house don't bring anything in like I said in my my Stefania Gutierrez Lazaro, the real Von, Veron, the real Veronica. I'm lagging. The real Veronica episode. Don't be using Ouija boards in your house, okay? Especially if you don't close it, you're just letting anything come through, and it is gonna be awful, okay? So just don't be stupid when you're doing this stuff, okay? Now, after the Lutzes moved out, several other families came and went, and they all reported that they never experienced anything paranormal in the home. Okay, now I'm not saying that they didn't have anything paranormal. Um, a lot of tragic things, like, how do I explain this? Like, an area where a tragedy occurs or something really, really bad happens it can just conjure up evil spirits and have them just lurking around the home cuz a lot of evil is just a lot of evil is just attracted to one spot like there's this place by my house called Ritter Farm and if you haven't heard me talk about it it was on inquiries of our reality it was a podcast episode that i did with Shane, and we were talking about this, my Ritter Farm experience. Now, you can have an area where a lot of bloodshed, a lot of tragedy has, has occurred, and it will just bring natural, demonic, or evil entities to that area. Like Ritter Farm, for example. There has been multiple accounts of bodies being dumped and just left there. There's been people have gone missing there. People have 
just died on that land. And when you get all of that bloodshed, all of that bad stuff that happens, it'll just attract natural things, okay? So it wouldn't shock me if something bad, if, well, not if something bad, but like if that family, those six, yeah, I think it's six. It is mom, the dad, two brothers, two sisters. Yeah, if they are still stuck there. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, there's this one in Colorado, too. Kind of the same situation. A little bit different, but it's, it's a little bit different, but it's kind of the same. This dad had a mistress, and he wanted to leave his mistress, so he murdered his wife and his kids. And there was a paranormal investigator that went there, and he took, it was on YouTube, and I was watching it, and he took a video of the front of the house with the infrared camera. And you could see the outlining of three people standing in one of the windows. Now, could this be the same situation in Amityville? A hundred percent. It could be the same. It could be the same fucking thing. It really could be. They could be there. It just, you know, if they weren't properly buried, if they're, if it was tragic, which it was, they stay in the house and they're, you know what I mean? So a lot of things could keep that family there. Now, I'm going to cut back, and we're going to talk about Ronnie, and see if he was actually influenced by paranormal activity, or if he was just fucking crazy and hated his family. Now, like I said earlier, he killed his family with a rifle around 3.15 a.m., and he murdered them while they were asleep, and he swept every room, just going from family member from person to person, and killing them in their sleep. The his two da- the two daughters, his two sisters, and his two and his two brothers were only shot once, but his pants were shot twice. Now, Ronald was abused. His dad was verbally abusive and physically abusive. His dad would occasionally beat his mom and beat his siblings, but Ronald took the brunt of everything. And then on top of that, He was also bullied at school, so he had a rough childhood. I mean, that doesn't get him out of the fact that, like, he can kill his family. I'm just saying, someone like him would be more subject to doing awful things like normal serial killers when they have abusive parents and stuff like that. So, as Ronald got older, his temper would get worse, and he would often fight his dad. Not like normal fight they would violently fight and he was eventually sent to a psychiatric facility for his problems but it ultimately failed and when he came back from the psychiatric facility he was basically given whatever he want to avoid his anger outbursts but his father and his dad would still get into these violent fights at the age of 18 he was kicked out of high school and then he got involved in lsd and heroin At the age of 18, he worked for his father doing oil changes, tune-ups, and car washes, and was given a paycheck whether he showed up for work or not. And not just only that, but up until the murders, he would consistently threaten people with a gun and would fight everyone. Like, literally the day, like, I think it was like a few days before his murder, he literally threatened to shoot his father. Now, after he killed his family, went from room to room and just murdered them all he went 
to his local bar where, where he would drink at, where all of his friends were at. And he told everybody, like, hey, somebody killed my family. Like, the mob just shot up my family. He used the mob as an excuse. And so him and his friends and everybody, they rushed to the house, they called the cops, and the cops arrived, and they took a statement from Ronald and said, hey, and he basically said the same thing, hey, my family was shot by the mob. And after they took his statement, they brought him down to the station and placed him in protection. Well, as the night got a little longer and they kept talking about the situation with Ronald, they ended up seeing holes in his story. And then literally the next day, he admitted to killing his family. Now, I think he went on, it took him a little over a year to go on trial. And when he went on trial, his attorney built a case around him being insane and they tried pleading insanity their claim was that ronald heard demonic voices telling him to kill his family but ultimately that didn't work because when he confessed at the precinct he told police that when he started killing he literally just couldn't stop and in the end he was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 25 years to life he was 23 when he murdered his family and died March 12, 2021 at a hospital in Albany, New York. And that's the end of the story. Now, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was nice diving into something that, you know, a lot of people I feel like don't really dive into it because of the whole... Like, you just hear the stories circulating around the world about it, and you're just like, oh, I know what, I know the gist of what happened. I don't really need to dive into it. But it's kind of similar to the Conjuring 3 when they did, when they did, I forgot his name, but when he killed somebody and they were able to get his charge down to a manslaughter for claiming he was possessed by a demon. Which, eventually, I'm going to do an episode on that, because that would be kind of interesting to look into also, to see how sim how similar these stories are to each other. Because I feel like they're, pro they're a little bit different, different people, different scenario, but kind of the same. So I wonder how each one shaped up. But, yep, we'll do that one in a different episode. Um, like I said, I hope you guys had a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend. It was uneventful, not really uneventful for me, kind of just hung around. My birthday was on Thursday, and I got a face tattoo, and that was fun. If you want to see it, it is on my personal Instagram, Dusty McBalls. It's on there, but self-plug, if you want to follow my channel's Instagram account, it's the Rainy Day Horror Show, and you can DM me, DM me horror stuff. It'll be fun. I'll repost it, give me a horror story, I'll put it in an episode, so, um, that's about it, um, next big event thing is I am probably gonna be going to Crypticon in Minneapolis, I think it's in September, I still gotta buy the tickets, but I'm gonna be there the entire week and I plan on it, so if you see me, drop in and say hi, and chat with me for a little bit, um, but yeah, that's all I got. I went exploring. I went to a a pond where 
these like murders and drown well not really murders but these drownings always occurred and people claimed that when they would go into the pond that something would grab their ankle and try pulling them under or would pull them under but that can also be related to seaweed seaweed can do that so who knows but it was interesting i got some stuff on camera um and yeah make sure you tell your parent your mom not your parents well yes tell your parents you love them but especially your mom today because it's mother's day okay and yeah that's all i got for you remember stay frosty stay foxy and most importantly stay safe especially stay safe i don't want any of you guys getting hurt or in trouble because it's just not fun if you're going to trespass make sure there's no cameras if you're breaking into an abandoned place, all right? I love y'all. I hope you had a wonderful day. Um, I will see you on Wednesday for another banger Reddit story, and we'll do that, and then we'll be back next Sunday for another banger episode, and yeah, all right? I love y'all. Deuces. Have a good day.